We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. also want to see what a game day with with jared parker at the helm column plays looks yeah. like you know what i mean because I, I think we're seeing bits and pieces of what we want to see offensively and, and what his philosophy is going to be in moving guys around and, and using their talent and the rpo and all all of that right but notre dame has been lacking the offense to compete at the highest of levels and 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 a lot of that boils down to the quarterback. I, I I get I get that, but I also felt like in the past they haven't utilized the weapons that they've had offensively yeah. to the best of their ability. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, coaching where you coached, coaching where I coached, man, you had to adjust to the talent that you had. And and sometimes right. from year to year, your offense would look different. You know what I mean? Uh, from a scheme standpoint, from a play calling standpoint, all of that. So. I just want to see Jared Parker and what he's going to do with this offense to maximize the talent that they have. Once I see that, once I get some questions about that answered, it's yeah. going to answer like a lot of other questions. And, and that's that's what I wanted to bring this this comment from Tim Prangley up, Vince, while we're talking about it, because it fits what you're talking about. Is I mean, I think that's probably the greatest question a lot of people have, and it's understandable, sure. is is there any concern about Jared Parker's inexperience will hold Hartman's production this year? Sure. That's very fair. All yeah. I'm going to say is the last time Notre Dame had a first-year offensive coordinator, they went to the playoff, and, and their quarterback finished in the top 10 of Heisman voting. Right. I, I mean, Tommy Reese. It's true. Right. I mean, you know, we've seen years where first year coordinators for Notre Dame have done very well. I mean, Chip Long in his first year completely turned around that offense in his first year. Now, the difference is, is Chip had been an offensive coordinator at Memphis. I get it. So it's a little bit of a different situation. But, you know, Jared Parker's done some things that an offensive coordinator is going to do. But I can sit here and talk, talk to you until I'm blue in the face about why I think he's going to be very good. And that's something I'm going to talk about next week. But at the end of the day, we still need to see it, and until right. we see it, it's a question. Yep. Right. So it's all a I can say question. is, here's why I think it's going to right. be good. But if someone's going to say to me, "I can't get excited about this offense until I know what Jared Parker's going to be able to do," I think that's a very fair thing to say. Yeah. Uh, I just, you know, whether you have your, you, and even if you're optimistic about what he can do, that's a fair thing to say. And right. now, as far as will it hold Hartman's production this year, I, I don't think that's really how it works. Uh, to me, Vince. If you're not a very good coordinator and your team has better talent than nine of the teams you're going to play, you're still going to have pretty good numbers unless you are terrible at your job against most of the teams you play. So it's more about will his inexperience hurt them in, let's say, the four toughest games I think they're going to play this year, which to me is NC State, Ohio State, USC, and Clemson. I think those, for different reasons, are going to be the toughest games that Notre is going to play from an offensive standpoint. Now, Louisville and Duke will be tough games, but that's more so for the defense because they're playing really good offensive teams. You And I'd probably say Duke is number five when it comes to toughest games in that regard, too. I don't count Pitt because by the time you get to Pitt, he's going to have a lot of more sure. experience under his belt and played in some pretty big games. I think NC State's the first real test, yep. and Tony Gibson road. plays a really unique 3-3-5 defense, and then, of course, the other three are obvious. 
So those are very fair questions. And but I, I still think the production is going to be very good. The question is, so like the, the year end production is going to look fine, but it's it's like 2019. The year end production in 2019 looked great. Ian Book had 34 touchdown passes. Chase Claypool had a mess of yards. Cole Komet had a mess of yards. They had their highest scoring average since like Lou Holtz was coach that year. But but what happened, Vince? They just beat up on a lot of teams. They had way better players then right. and then got dominated and averaged, what, 15 and a half points in the only two good teams that they played all year. That's right. more of the, the question will be for me. And, and that's the key. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Correct. Correct. It's, so, it's Tim, competing. to your question. Yeah, having that offense compete yes. at that high level against yes. top-level competition. Yes. I haven't had that. Having said that, I will say this. I have mentioned the word unknown more than an experience because I'm going to say the same thing about Jared Parker that I said about a lot of coaches in the past, most recently Clark Lee. Mm -hmm. I'm a big believer in this business, unless you're 22 years old and fresh out of college and never done it before. And that was kind of my knock on Tommy Reese's is you may have the chops, but you're not ready to where those chops are going to manifest itself yet. Cause you're only 27. You've only been coaching for two or three years. Right. Jared Parker's not in that situation. I've always believed Vince, and this is the argument I made for Clark Lee. You remember me doing it you, 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 when we when they had these conversations when I, my, the other place I worked. If you got the chops in this business, you got the chops. And in, in experience can be is, is never a bad thing, but it's, ne it's not a prerequisite for success. So whether or not Jared Parker succeeds this year won't be because he lacks experience. And if he and if he thrives this year, it's not because he has experience. And and so when I talk about he'll have some experience under his belt, there is a level of just the the day to day doing it. But right. really, when it comes down to it, Vince, if you have the chops, you have the chops. Clark Lee had the chops. I was confident in that, and he kept the defense rolling after Mike Elko, including the fact that he was not having to reinvent the wheel because you're still running the defense that Mike Elko installed. Right. Right. If, if Jared Parker has the chops, and I believe that he does, we'll find out for sure then he'll be fine. If he doesn't, if, if, if Sam Hartman's production takes a big hit this year because of coaching, it's because Jared Parker just doesn't have the chops, right? It's not be, and meaning it's not going to all of a sudden get better. And in two years, they're scoring 45 a game, right? I mean, Joe Brady never was asked to do what he did in 2019 before he was nothing but a receivers coach for an NFL team, but he had it here. And when he was finally given a platform to do it, he showed what he can do. Right. And that's I've always felt that way about coaching. And so we'll find out. I, I don't think Jared Parker's issues is are going to be experienced. They're going to be. Is he good enough or not? That's right. what it boils down to for me. Because uh, Al Gold's got a mess of experience. Right. And, so, and, right. and to him, actually, I think his experience hindered him. Yes. I it was think his NFL experience. I think. Yes. That, like yeah. scale it back a little bit. Right. Right. And so uh, he needed to go on a trip we'll down memory out. lane about what it was like to be a college coach. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. Yep. So uh, that was a good addition there. A good question there, Tim, that kind of led to that off of that, that conversation, Vince, there's a lot of reason to be yeah. excited. There's, but there's also very fair Absolutely. reasons to be cautiously optimistic or concerned. Sure. I get those. I, I guess the concern I don't have as much, the cost cautious optimism is, is much more understandable. Sure. Much more and understandable. And I think that's where I fall because I said it yesterday when we were in a mailbag and I was like, I think this offense is going to be lighting up the scoreboard. You know, right. it's going to be, it's going to be like a, uh, oh, what do you call it? I don't know. Pinball. Story. pinball. pinball. There we go. Yeah. See, I was doing my silence. It was uh, the, the pinball, uh, like a pinball machine with the, all the blinking lights. Like that's the scoreboard. That's yeah. the scoreboard, I think, for offense. Sure. And so like, sure. I'm confident, but well, when it's we were still kids, a right? That's how cartoons were. You know, you just see the thing, the, the points rolling up. Remember <laughs> right. that? You know, exactly. Like, yes. No, yes. I, because you're someone who believes that Jared Parker has the chops, but you're right. also someone who understands, but now I just need to go see it. Exactly. Which is very fair. Yeah. The only the only thing that I don't think is a is reasonable is people who think they're gonna they're gonna be similar to what they were last year. And and I don't see any yeah, I don't see any justification for how that could be other than just I'm gonna I'm just gonna assume that they're gonna suck. And if right. they're better, I'll be happy. Right. Which is fine. I just, that's, I refuse to live that that's way. That's how some people just, live like that. And that's, and that's okay. fine. I that's love fine. you. I just, that's right. for me, for me, I just can't live yeah, that way. I me just, neither. <laughs> I just don't, you know, you get those people that just like being miserable. I'm not one of those people. <laughs> no, I, I'm I, not either. I am not. I am not. <sighs> 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Okay, uh, we got a super chat from Andrew. Thank you very much, Andrew. If Marcus Freeman left next year, why, why? Uh, choose a head coach from each Power Five conference and one Group of Five coach to replace him. I'm gonna, I'm gonna change the question a little bit because I want to answer because it's fun. It right? is fun. But let's say it this: we are starting a new, a new school. There we go. Okay, I like that. Yes, thank you. Because remember, we were talking about the Driscoll School and all. So we have started a new university. Nice. Okay. And we are starting a football team, and we are uh, Elon Musk, uh, <laughs> Warren Buffett, Peter Thiel have all donated huge swaths of money, so, so we have the resources to do we whatever we want. Yes. How about that? Stay it's a much better premise. Okay. What's the one head coach from each Power Five conference that I would I would uh, push for? So that's. That is a very. Uh, we're making our short list of correct of coaching so like, candidates, right? So we we can and we can only pick one from each okay. co- of the Power Five conferences. Oh, man, you're okay? gonna be better at this than I am. But so this is gonna be interesting. So I'll, I'll my 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 one from the ACC is gonna surprise is gonna surprise some of you because it's not Dabo, and the reason is is because number one, I love Dabo. Uh, I think he's a great coach, but I think he would tell me no, number one. <laughs> and then he would okay. use that to to recruit against me because he's smart like that, Ooh. right? Number two, I don't think Dabo's one of those um, generational coaches that can just go win any – like Urban could win anywhere. He just was unique that way. He could win sure. in Florida. He could win in Utah. could win – I don't think you take Dabo and put him in L.A. or put him in South Indiana, and he has the same ability to Definitely not L.A. things, right? He's not an LA guy. Correct. Nope. Saban, you could kind of put anywhere, you know, and he could he could win. So it's I don't not, think Dabo's a great fit for what we do uh, it, at, at our new school because our new school is we in located? South Bend, Indiana. Okay, okay. We're in, our new school's in Granger, Indiana. You know that oh, big old field right yeah. there with all the stupid solar panels that just yeah. ran. I'm tearing all that up, and that's where we're building our new school. You so know Notre Dame owns there. those, right? Okay, it's figures. <laughs> um, you know, so, so we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, cause Hey, we got money from Peter Thiel, Elon Musk and, right. and, and uh, Warren Buffett. So we can buy that out. We're going to yeah, build a new like campus it. and all that right out there. Okay. I like the commute time. That's going to yes, be great. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm using some of that donated money to buy me a little golf cart right, exactly. to and from campus. 
Uh, so my 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 ACC one would actually be Mike Elko. Now I'm taking a risk. Ooh, yeah, that because is because he's a first year coach, but he knows the area, and we're going to be an institution that very very much values being a, a high academic institution. <clears throat> okay, right, and he would understand that. He would. He's a Penn graduate. He's been at Notre Dame. He's yeah. at Duke yeah, now. Right, he would, he would understand it. that. Yep, and I think he's young enough to where if he wins, he would be here for a while. Okay. Yeah. Right. So Good he's call. a guy that I'm looking to really like. I don't want to bring in Nick Saban. He won't be my SEC coach. I'll tell you that right now because I want a guy that's going to get the thing off and running, but then establish it and be here for a while. So sure. I don't have to, you know, a guy come in for three years, do your thing, and then leave, and then I got to start over again. I want to really bring a guy in that we can be patient with and give him time to build it up. And Mike Elko is my pick in the ACC. Okay. Who else would it. you look at? Like Mike I Norvell, that. I would consider. Okay. He's someone I would have considered. Uh, he's about the only other ACC coach that I would consider. Not a big Pat Narduzzi fan. No, Jeff Brom I would have considered a few years ago, but he just he 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 disappointed me a little bit at Purdue with yeah. some different things. Dave Clawson is not someone I would look at. I would I would at least maybe have a conversation because I have a lot of respect for Dave Clawson, but I just don't think he's dynamic enough right. to be that. I think he's hit his ceiling. And, and he's at the perfect place for him. That's what I'm I saying. I think Mike like, Elko yeah. has more upside right. as a big school right. coach. I think, I think Dave, I think Dave Clawson, you're right. He's in the perfect situation. He the expectations where he's at are not where they would be at at our school. And I don't know that that's right for him. He needs to be right where he is, where he's like an eight-win season most of the time. And then you dip up, but then you dip down, you eight win, you know, like that kind of I think that's perfect for him. I think it's perfect. Mm-hmm. Got to fly under the radar. Yep. Quirky offense, you know the whole thing, right? I, I I agree with you. Yep. Yeah, I think I think we're in good shape. I think we're in lockstep okay. there. Yeah. Let's just go Big Twelve. <clears throat> this one's going to be a little bit more interesting. My my candidates for the from the Big Twelve are it's a it's a shorter list. Okay. Uh, Chris Kleiman is on my list. Steve Sarkeesian's on my list. I would look at Lance Leopold as a guy yes. that I would consider. But my number one pick in the Big 12 would most likely would, – would when it came down to it, my number one pick would be Dave Aranda. I think having noticed two two defensive coaches in a row, because I, I, I one of the things that I believe in is, it, especially at a new program, okay, since we're cheating a little bit now we're doing I want someone that's going to bring in and bring toughness. I don't necessarily want someone that's going to come and try to out-scheme everybody, and that's all fine and dandy. I want someone that's going to instill a foundation of we've got to win in the trenches, we've got to be smart, we've got to be well-coached. And Mike Elko and Dave Aranda, from just an intelligence standpoint, are two of the smartest human beings that are coaches in college football, in my opinion. And that's something that I value to place like the school we're creating, which would also fit at Notre Dame, Vince. Mm. Mm. So uh, Dave Aranda would be my pick for the Big 12. Who, Who would yours be? You know, I I like what uh, it, it's Leopold that's at Kansas, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I I like his is the first name that came to mind. Uh, I, I would definitely bring him in for an interview. You know, turning around Kansas, yeah, that that takes some cojones, man. Like he's doing something right over there. Let's see if they can sustain it. Obviously, yep. uh, and he's been but, in the north, right? Yeah, he was Wisconsin Whitewater for a long time. He right. guy won a Buffalo Vince. Exactly. Like that's a guy I would want to talk to. You know, yeah. at the very least to have that conversation, you know? So he would be my, I think I'll say it. I think he would be my pick. Like he's, he's guy I would bring. Cause if we're bringing in one from every conference, that doesn't mean I'm, you know, that means I want to talk to all these guys. So yeah, he would be a guy I'd want to talk to. So uh, Lance Leopold in the big 12 for you, Dave Aranda for me, let's go big 10. This one is a little tougher for me because I'm not in love with some of the big 10 coaches. And some of the ones that are there are a little older. They are. So I, I don't I don't I don't love the Big Ten options, to be completely honest with I'm you. I'm going through them in my head. I mean, and no Jim Harbaugh. Are... Right. Ryan Day is a very fine coach, but it kind of goes back to what I just said. I want someone who's going to bring in toughness, and Ryan Day has not established he can do that. I would have to strongly consider him because he is a winner, right? Yes. I mean, what's the record's pretty impressive. Correct. But I just, you know, He's again, walked they, into a pretty good they situation. Get, though, right. But they got whooped by Michigan the last two years because they're just not a really physically tough team. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so they did better against Georgia. You know, no to Mel Tucker, no to Tom Allen, no to Greg Schiano. I don't know enough about Ryan Walters to have an opinion there. Uh, Brett Bielema is probably the best coach to fit what I would look for, but I just don't like him 
to be honest with you, like as a, as you know, I don't know if he would fit what I would be looking for. And, you know, if, if we're going to try to be like Notre Dame, then Brett Bielema, I don't know if it's necessarily the greatest fit for that. Heck no to PJ Fleck. Oh, you don't want to row your boat. Yeah. I, heck no, I'm rowing no boats. Uh, <laughs> I'm buying a, I'm buying one with a motor. Okay. Cause who <laughs> rows these days? Um, Cause we're not, uh, you know, I'd probably have to go Luke Fickler, Matt rule. To be honest with you. Mm. I, I mean, mm. You know, Jim Harbaugh's not coming, and 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 just no, <laughs> no, no, no. I know no. he'd win, but I don't want to. Yeah, I just don't, don't want to. We don't need winning <laughs> with a side of crazy. Like no, that's not no. necessary. That makes no. our job as administrators harder. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 So I'd probably I, go Luke Fickler, Matt Rule would be. Oh, you know, man, pick. Right. I mean, it's pick between one of those. The know, choices who, are not great. I I would. I would probably bring in Ryan Day, knowing that I wasn't going to go with whoever was representing the Big Ten. You sure. know what I mean? That's your token interview for the Big Ten, yeah, right? Okay. <laughs> Correct. And look, he is the best coach in the Big Ten right now. It's just, yeah. it's just, it but just there are some not disturbing a, trends. It's not a fit yeah. for what I would yeah. want to be sure. at this school, and sure. wouldn't fit what Notre Dame does either. If we're being honest, yeah. let's go to the Pac-12, Vince. Who would be your pick? In the Pac-12, there's really two for me that it comes down to, and the the, the my my the, well really three. Jonathan Smith is definitely getting consideration from me. Okay, uh, the guy at Oregon State, I think he does a very good job. Again, toughness. I got mine. In, you know all those type of things. I think that uh, he would do. He would fit well. Kyle Winningham would make a lot of sense in a lot That's of ways, mine. but he's an older guy, and I he don't is. know that he's got another decade left in him. He is, but that would here's, be my guy. Here, here's who would end up being for me, and he, and and he's the exception to my rule of what I'm looking for, and it's Kalen DeBoer. I mean, he gets like hardly any conversation as far as being like you know one of the everybody talks about Dan Lanning and how he's this coach. And I'm like, has anybody actually looked at what Kalen DeBoer's record is as a head coach? I mean, the guy was at Sioux Falls, right, which is an NAIA school, and he went 67-3 and and won four straight NIA championships. He goes to Fresno State and goes 9-3 and in his second year. His first year was the COVID year. Can't can't really talk right. about that. Right. He, like he leaves Fresno, and they go in the tank, you know, beginning of the season. They rebounded later and won their last several to finish the top 25, but they went in the tank early. Also hurt that they didn't have Jake Hayner. And then last year he takes over a Washington team that was a train wreck basically that went four and eight the year before, and he takes them to 11 and two. And then let's not forget what he did at Indiana as the OC. This guy is a great offensive mind and is a, a very successful head coach that is from South Dakota. He's coached in Indiana He's he's going to have recruiting base out west. Kalen DeBoer's my pick for the Pac-12, Vince, and mm-hmm. and Lincoln Riley's a no because I just don't like Lincoln Riley. No, I wouldn't. Bring I don't him personally nope. care much for him. Never even made uh, close to my great list. coach. Don't get me wrong, great coach, but he I just don't care much for him. Exactly. Uh, Kalen DeBoer would be my pick in the Pac-12. Interesting. Yeah, and, and he's if, young. If Winningham was about eight years younger. I'd consider him more. Fair enough. And I think Jonathan Smith is a heck of a coach, but I think he's just the he's like he's that guy that I don't know if he can win outside of the Northwest. Just because that's who he is. That's his background. That I mean he played sure. in the Northwest. He's coached in the I mean, that's just who he is, right? So I'm I'm going Kalen DeBoer. Yeah, because he's like six years older than I am. Who uh, is I'm Kalen DeBoer? Like yeah. I'm looking at his kind of He's a veteran his, guy. Yeah. yeah. But I mean he's you know, he's in his forties. Like right. Okay. You know, he's forty eight years old. Uh, he'll be 49 in the middle of the football season, but uh, you make a very compelling case. So it would be between him and Whittingham for me. Yeah. Uh, but I would want to talk to both of them. Yeah. You know what I mean? I would want to talk to both of them. I will say that once I said, I didn't know anything about the history of Kalen DeBoer and, and that his history lines up with what I would like. You know what I mean? He's an offensive guy. He was a wide receiver in high school. I mean, in college and high school, obviously. And just the way he's kind of worked his way up. And he has recruited and coached in the Midwest since he was at Indiana. So he's got some, mid, you know, a little bit of a Midwest tie. At least he understands what Indiana is like, uh, even though he was only here for right. a year. But he was also at Eastern Michigan for a few years. So, mm-hmm. I mean, 
and Southern Illinois. So, I mean, like, he gets the Midwest. So, there's a lot to like there, actually. Um, there's a lot to like. I, I, that would be a fun conversation to have, for sure. Yeah. Last one, Vince. SEC. S. Who is your pick in the SEC? Man. This one's I tough. Would, I wouldn't bring in Saban just because I think he's on the latter half of things. Correct. And I don't – he's not going to be – Say what you want to about how he is at Alabama, and I get it, and I'm not I'm not debating that, but it took him a while to get things to the way he wanted them, and now it's a now it's a thing. Like he doesn't have to be doing the day to day. I'm sure he does, but he's not going to be building a program from the bottom up. That's not where he's at in his career. So it would not be Nick Saban. Um, <laughs> I know somebody else who it won't be. <laughs> you're right about that. I'm not pulling anybody from the boot. That's for sure. Well, there's just some guys, Vince, that are just non-starters for me, just from a character standpoint. Lane Kiffin's a non-starter for me. Okay. Uh, Hugh Freeze is a non-starter for me. Just you're not passing my background check of what I know about you. God forbid (laughs) what I find out about you when I actually do a real background check. Right. You know, so that's a that's a big no for me. That's fair. Elijah Drinkwitz just seems like a just not a person I would ever want to spend any time around. So uh, he, he would not be on my list. The guy from Mississippi state just doesn't have the experience. Sam Pittman's a good old boy. I, I like him, but he's an Arkansas guy. He's not, he's not ready for the prime time of what we're trying to do there. So it, then it comes down to, uh, okay. Jimbo big, no. So no basically it comes down to what I try to steal Kirby away from Georgia. And I kind of feel the same way about Kirby that I do about Dabo. He's a Southern dude sure. that can win in the South that I'm not sure his slick, you know, thing that he does that works so well down there works at, you know, here. Right. Sure. And, and, you know, and I don't know that uh, we will not allow him to do some of the things that he's right. doing at Georgia to win. And we'll just sure. leave it at that. Okay. Uh, Josh Heupel would be in consideration for me. Okay. Definitely. Okay. Uh, but I would need to know who your DC is going to be and how are you, you know, going to run right. the ball better. Shane Beamer's in the conversation for me, but he's just a little bit too green and a little bit too whiny as a coach mm-hmm. to be the guy that I would go with. I think that would Mark, be that would lessen as he gets older. Yes. But. Mark Stoops definitely is getting an interview for me. Uh, and then another guy that I would seriously look at is Clark Lee. I mean, I, I would I would consider Clark Lee. I would. I probably wouldn't be my pick. I'd probably lean towards more towards Josh Heupel or Mark Stoops for me. That's okay. probably where I would go. Okay. If I had to. I've got so but if I Kirby actually, wanted the job, I'd have a hard time telling him no. Well, I'll, that's I'll just fair. say that. Like I, mean, I don't know if I'd fair. pursue him, but if Kirby was like, Hey right. man, I want to get out of here, I want, you know, I'd be like, Right, man, this <laughs> I don't know why. Because <laughs> let me say this. Because as much as I don't like certain things about the fit for Kirby. Everything I said I want this program to be, toughness, discipline, sure. fundamentally sound. All, that's what Kirby's Georgia's teams are. like. And, and Kirby's gone through some of the similar things that Saban got undersold on. It's like, oh, you're, you're just winning because you have highly ranked recruiting classes. Okay, yeah, they have highly ranked recruiting classes who play really physical, fundamentally sound football. They're not just out there throwing the ball out with these really great athletes and they're just out-towning people. They are a well-coached team, in my opinion. And uh, – he often gets he doesn't get enough credit for that, in my sure. opinion. We'll see if that can continue in the post Todd Munkin era. That's a question with anytime you have a, a, a changeover coordinator. But uh, he a lot of things I like he would fit. It's just I don't know if he would fit. If right. that makes sense. So I know this goes against what you were saying, and uh, it's allowed because you're the one making the choice, not well, me, I know not me for yours for your situation. Oh, okay. So I've got my own universe. You can pick your, yeah. I mean, or it's uh, like if I'm in charge, this is what I'm doing, and if you're in charge, this is what. Yeah, you're doing. that's fair. <clears throat> I've got like this vision in my head of you and I starting university together, and I'm really enjoying it. Uh, so I actually, um, with all the lead up to the bowl game last year, I really enjoyed listening to Shane Beamer and mm-hmm. kind of how he runs his program and the things that he was doing and, and things like that. So I would want to talk to him. My curveball to you, though, and why not? I'm going to make up my own rule here. I am bringing in Mike Denbrock as an interview. And I know he's not a head coach, and I know that wasn't the question, sure. and I don't care. He's an offensive coordinator. I like Mike Denbrock a lot. yeah, And I think he deserves a shot at a head coaching gig. I don't know that that's what he wants, but I would have a conversation with Mike Denbrock about coming back to Notre Dame. I think you know 
me well enough to know that I'm not pushing back on that. Yeah. I think you know my feelings on Mike Denbrock well enough to know that I would have no pushback on that. Yeah. So yes. that's why I threw a curveball at you a little bit, but I dig it. You know, I if I'm bringing it. somebody from the boot, it would be him. <laughs> I dig it. Somebody said this. Zach Martin said this, and I want to clarify this. Uh, Zach Martin said, I don't think Urban thought he could win at Notre Dame. My oh. my point is, is Urban, Urban didn't think he could have won at Notre Dame because he wasn't going to get the support. Anytime you talk about a coach winning, he can only win if he's going to get support. Correct. Like no coach, in my opinion, I mean, maybe Lou Holtz is the closest you could find to that, but even he got some support in certain ways, like with Tony Rice and some of those guys. But uh, I don't think any coach can win without support. And when coaches turn down jobs, it's because I don't think they're going to support me the way that I think you need to be supported to win at a place. Yeah. If Urban thought that Notre Dame was going to do what he thought they should do to win, I think he would have strongly considered taking that job. And then it would have come down to money. And his wife. But, I, but I think when he looked at Florida versus Notre Dame, Florida was willing to do whatever yeah. it takes, and Notre Dame was not. I think right. that. So I, I think that's why I think Zach's right that Urban didn't think he could win at Notre Dame because Notre Dame wouldn't allow him to right. do what he not thought because he, he didn't think win. he could Correct. win. Yeah. Correct. I don't have the chops, and I and I'm assuming that's what Zach is. Zach is meaning what we're saying, which is yeah. is that. But I want to make sure when when you hear me say a coach can win anywhere, it's anywhere that that has certain resource, like any part of the country. That doesn't mean I think he could go to Washington, Nick Saban, go to Washington State and win a title, right? Because the resources aren't there, but he could go to the Pac 12 and compete for a championship, the Big sure. 12, the Big 10, the ACC, the SEC. That's more of what I'm referring to, where some guys are just regional coaches. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, right. Lou Holtz could coach, he coached at Minnesota, he coached at Arkansas, he coached at NC State, he coached at Notre Dame, he coached everywhere, right? And won everywhere. South Carolina. Right. Uh, so not all coaches are that way. Some guys right. are just, you know, they're more regional guys and there's nothing wrong with that. It just, they fit really well there. And I don't sure. know that they could go other places and be as successful. And that's where I'm, that's, but you have to have support. Like why did Dabo win? He had the chops, but also because Clemson was bought in, they were going right. to do what they needed to do. A perfect to support scenario the football program. for him. Right. And then they had a coach time. that could do it. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Really fun questions today, Vince. Let's get a couple easy ones out of the way. Here okay. we go. <laughs> Uh, seek and destroy. I like that. That's good. Mm -hmm. Uh, chips ahoy or Oreos with or without milk. Well, I used to be an Oreos guy, but I don't eat Oreos anymore. Uh, haven't for a couple years now for reasons. Uh, but when I had Oreos, it was always with milk. I mean, I could eat Oreos no matter what, but yes. I always liked them with milk. So that, that's, I mean, I either like. one, but they always have to be with milk. I could do it either way. And the Chips Ahoy has to be the original, like the, the the thin chocolate chip Chips Ahoy original cookie. Uh, but I'm going to go Oreo all the way. Oreo is my favorite. Oreo goes in the ice cream. It goes in the milk. It goes in my mouth. And that's my favorite chocolate chip cookie that you can buy like this, right? Yes. Like a, a store-bought chocolate chip cookie that I don't need milk for. Is, and it's just my favorite, period, is Famous Amos. Chocolate chip huh. cookies are phenomenal. I love those. Okay. Love those. Absolutely love those. Here's another easy one. We're going to knock out some of these easy ones so we can actually maybe have a shot of getting through <laughs> the, all the questions. <laughs> From Joe, what in your respective opinions is the worst Notre Dame team during your time as a fan? Wow. Uh, that's an easy one. Uh, the worst Notre Dame team that I, as my, is 2007 by a thousand miles. Really? Like I know the 2016 team had a, only had a one game better record, but that team won almost every other game they played in. Like the only game that they weren't competitive in that year uh, was the USC game, right? That That's it. But even then they had an early lead. I mean, that, that 2016 team should have beat Texas, lost in overtime, should have beat Michigan State, right? Had a chance. They, they they got outplayed that game, but they Michigan State sucked. They should have beat Duke. They blew a, a 20, 14 nothing lead. They should have beat NC State. They had a halftime lead over Stanford. They should have beat Navy. Gave up points at the end. Should blew a big lead against Virginia Tech. I mean, the only two games, the only two games, you really got outplayed. I would say. So I'll add two. Michigan State outplayed them. Notre Dame made a late charge late. Made a charge late, but they got outplayed by Michigan State. And uh, in, in USC, so they were competitive in the, in those games, Vince. That was a talented team that just was poorly coached and no leadership and all that. They were not terrible. The the 2017 team they lost by 30 to Georgia Tech, oh, 21 so to bad. Penn State, 38 to Michigan, 17 to Michigan State, 14 to Purdue, 13 to Boston College, 38 to USC, 17 to Air Force, and they were the first team. To in lose what, to Navy. 40 some years to lose to Navy. That was depressing. Right. That was a terrible team. And and 
the three teams Notre Dame beat that year, two of them were even worse than Notre Dame was, right? <laughs> so so you beat Duke that year, who was 1-11. You beat Stanford that year, who was 4-8, and eight, and had that fluky win over USC, but they weren't good outside of that. And then you beat UCLA, who was a 6-7 and seven team, but they were like with like their third-string quarterback or something like that in that game, if you remember correctly. So that 07 team was awful. The 16 team, if they had better coaching and leadership, would have been an eight, nine win team minimum that year. There was no way. I don't care who the coach was. That Notre Dame team, looking back hindsight, was not not a bowl caliber team that year. And they weren't even close. They weren't even the only game they were even what competitive in, would you say, Vince, that they lost was what Navy? I mean, they, they got dominated in every other game they played. I mean, they weren't competitive. Yeah, that year. So yeah, oh seven by a mile. For yeah, me. looking back, I think I just blocked that out of my brain. The 070. As I'm it. looking through here, I, I remember some of those games, and it was like, and you know what the funny thing was? The year before both of those seasons, so 2006 and 2015, team was 10 and three, and then you go and have that season. Like, you want to talk yeah. about coming off of a good year and having some good vibes moving forward, and then you just get pooped on, like. Because that's what I remember about – that's what I remember most about 2016 is I remember going into that year thinking that they were going to be good, like good enough. You know what I mean? Like 9, 10 wins, you know, moving forward, blah, 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 blah. And that obviously did not happen. And then I look back at the 07 team or the 07 season and I'm looking at some of these scores and I'm I'm remembering these games and it's coming back to me like a nightmare. And, I mean, they started out the season, what, 0-5? Mm-hmm. Oh, and five. What and year was that? Oh, in in two thousand seven. Yeah, I mean, oh, and and, and really, honestly, Vinch would have been zero and six if UCLA did, didn't have their quarterback sure. wasn't hurt. And then, and and of course, I think the 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 antithesis, the thing that pushes me over the top for the two thousand seven team is the loss to Navy. Like that was that was, I remember it so well because I was on the field. And it was in the overtime and it was the old school overtime rules. Right. And they would be at one end of the field and they would do their thing. And then it would go to the other end of the field and do it. And then the other end, and we were running back and forth, back and forth, like on the field behind Notre Dame uh, bench and just running back and forth to why, and then to lose that game the way they did and to lose period. I mean, that was heartbreaking. And that just put a bow on the season. And then they came back the next week to air force and lost 41 to 24. Like, yeah, yeah, it was just a punch to the gut, man. So I agree with you. It's got to be 07. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yep. Uh, here, here's another easy one, Vince, for me. Uh, Archer, will you watch Suck versus Eli in their cage match? No. Uh, if you could not pick any two celebrities man. to duke it out, who would your dream matchup be? I could not care less. No, that's something I that just, I don't. Number one, cage matches, MMA, it's not for me. I, I'm just not a fan of it, and so I wouldn't watch it. And yeah. then to watch two dorks go at each other, like that doesn't do anything yeah. for me, so, obviously, no. either. And I don't care if celebrities want to no. fight each other. Whatever. I don't care. I'm I just I'm not a celebrity worshiper. I just don't care. Okay. I just, you know, I'd rather fight let, Ryan. Let me watch the movie and move on. <laughs> so Bayside Tiger Six with the super chat. Thank you very, very much. Which position coach do you give the biggest benefit of the doubt with recruiting? To me, it's Mickens. A lot of time developing under-recruited guys at smaller programs. He has an eye for who can play. 
it's not even close. I mean, he Bayside Tigers nailed this one. It's yeah. it's Mike Mickens. The results speak uh, for themselves. Yeah, I mean, in like you know, Chanchi Stucky's doing a really good job recruiting, but he has a lot to prove because I think the premise is, like he said, under you know, developing under recruited guys. And I like how he said that under recruited, not like guys who aren't talented that he turned into good players. It's under recruited guys, right? He has an eye for who can play. I think he nailed this, Vince. I I, I don't need know that we need to add more to it. I mean, I think he's right. spot on, dude. He's absolutely spot on. I think it's Mickens, and I don't know if there's a number two right now. I think it's just Mickens. Like, yeah. No, well, what about it's just Mickens? Now, if Harry Heastan was still here, he'd be my offensive pick. Sure. Uh, and if I had to pick one for offense, I'd go with Dela McCullough. Would be okay. my pick for I, you know, and I was going to say the two on offense that jump out to me are Chancey Stuckey and Dylan McCullough, but Chancey Stuckey's too young in his career. Well, he's got to prove they can develop. I think the that's what I'm saying. Here that he's yes. talking about is not just develop, you know, the, the, the proven eye for talent. Chancey Stuckey hasn't proven that he has an eye for talent. He's gone out and gotten really talented players that we all know are talented. Right. And, you know, so there's no benefit of the doubt needed with Jaden Greathouse or Rico Flores sure. or Braylon James or Cam Williams or Micah Gilbert. You, we, we all know they can play. Caleb right. Smith's the only one that you could say there needs to be some benefit of the doubt given because he's not as highly ranked, but uh, I think he's a pretty good player. Dean McCullough is a guy that if, if when, if he were to go out and say, Hey, I really like this three-star running back. You're like, okay, cool. Yeah. Cause I know right. he's not lazy. So he's not, he's not going to be afraid to battle Bama and whoever else. I mean, this guy convinced Richard Young to come play. You knew he, you know, he knew he had very little chance to get Richard Young, but he's like, so what you, you lose all the battles. You you don't fight. Right. Absolutely. Right. That's how Dean McCullough has shown himself to be at Notre Dame so far. And guess what? That, that's allowed him to win some big battles that maybe they wouldn't have fought in the past. Sure. Uh, so, so he'd probably be my pick on offense. And and if Harry was back, he, yep. he, he would be, he'd be the other one that I would go with. But as far as the whole team, it's Mickens, definitely Mickens. And not just what he's done in Notre Dame, what he did at Bowling Green, what he did at Cincinnati and what he's done in Notre Dame. Sure. So yeah, very, very good. He's question. got the track record. Absolutely yeah. agree with that. Very, very good question. ND football nerd over the past decade, what positions or type of player does Notre Dame recruit the best on the defensive side of the ball? Second, does Notre Dame's defensive philosophy mesh well with its recruiting strength? All right. So what positions does Notre Dame recruit the best on the defensive side of the ball? It's, you know, it's, it's, it's been different at different times over the last decade. Depends on who's there. As I a mean, coach. at times they've been very good at linebacker and at times they haven't at times they've been pretty good. Uh, at defense, I'd say probably the position that they've been. Here's what's funny I think the position that if I had to go the last 10 years, so that's the see 23, 22, 21, 20, 19, 18, 17, 16, 15, 14. So starting the 2014 class, probably defensive line or linebacker probably be the two best. Uh, because there were some years that cornerback was very iffy. Yes. Okay. But other years, it was really good. I mean, the, one of the best individual classes Notre Dame has signed in the last decade was that corner class with Julian Love, Troy Pride, Dante Vaughn. And I loved it at the time, you know, and sure. safety's had some guys here and there, but a lot more bad than than good yeah, as agreed. far as the number of years, not, the you know, the players. So, I mean, like, what does their safety depth chart look like in, in eight, 17 and 18 or 18 and 19 if Alohi Gilman doesn't transfer from Navy? They're in trouble. You know what I mean? And so... Yep. Um, does Notre Dame's defensive philosophy mess with its recruiting strength? Uh, to answer that question, yeah, I think so, because we're talking about I think the front seven is where they've had the most success. Now, that's changing recently. Now, if if some of the, if these coaches stay together for a while, then you're going to start talking about cornerback being that, that deal. But even then, it fits with what they're currently doing. They're recruiting long, rangy, athletic corners that can play man defense. That's what they've been doing the last couple of years, and that right. fits with what they're trying to do defensively. So, yeah, I think so. Yeah. You know, it, but again, I don't, I don't think that I would say that the answer could change when we see the season. If, if Al Golden goes out there and tries to play a lot of two gapping, read and react with your front to open up blitzers and stuff like that, that, that then sure. I don't, I think then we'll say no, because to do that, you need big boys up front and they're not recruiting. They don't, they don't have, I don't think their name is going to ever consistently recruit the big boys. Yeah. So that would be no, but if, if he keeps with the sort of the, and that's one of the things I think hurt Clark Lee at times. Clark, I wanted to see Clark Lee turn the defense loose at more. That was my big knock on Clark Lee is I think it's a very good football coach, but he was really thoughtful, intellectual and all this kind of stuff. And sometimes I just wanted to say, man, just turn them loose. Just let him go. And that's what I loved about Mike Elko. Mike Elko was, was not afraid to take a chance. No one, I could give up a big play. Clark Lee was like, we're not going to give up a big play. We're not going to give up a big play. We're not going to give up a big play. To the to the point where like he would do that bend but don't break stuff, right? And I, it's just not my style, 
And I don't know that they always had the personnel for that. I, but when they when they were at their best, like 2018, is when he just let them pin their ears back and let their his defensive line attack. And then it kind of went away from that, like 19 and 20, and and was doing a little bit different stuff. And but yeah, I, th- I think I think certainly um, possible possible to get there. Coach Bent five seven four. If you could guarantee that you could keep one coach from each side of the ball on staff for the next five years, who would you choose? I'm thinking D is an easier choice than O. Yes. Is there I mean, a we just talked about it, right? Okay. Um, I didn't see I didn't okay. see the, the second question of this, Vince. So what, what time no did, problem. did this Wait, one? Hold on a second. He is at 1237, so I'll try to find it. Uh, so uh, defense, obviously, for me is Mickens. Yes. Yeah. So if I can guarantee no... that Mike Mickens is on the staff the next five years, I will be happy. I'll be like, where do I sign? Where, yeah. where do I sign up for that? Yeah. Absolutely. Now, I hope that we're at least having a conversation about it next year. That'd be nice. Right, but um, there is a second part. The second part said, "Who would you? Who would be your choice if you could only keep one coach total aside from Coach Mark, Coach Marcus Freeman?" Ooh. So I'm gonna stick with the original question, which was, "If you can guarantee that you can keep one coach from each side of the ball on staff next five years, who would you choose?" On defense, we talked about this. I'm gonna go Mike Mickens. Mm-hmm. On offense, that is a really good one. I would probably go with Coach Stuckey, and I'm I'm gonna say it this way. The reason I wouldn't say Jared Parker is because if Jared Parker's not on the staff in five years, it's one of two reasons. One, he didn't do the job and he got fired. Or two, he does a great job and somebody tries to hire him away as their head coach. And that's never bad for Notre Dame. Sure. Right. When someone takes your coordinator to become a head coach, that's a good thing for your program. Because that, that means the guy you're going to bring in to replace him sure. is going to be someone that, hey, I, I, I have a path to for success if I go to Notre Dame. Right. For me, it would be Chancey Stuckey because I would okay. love to be able to have some. I would love to be able to have some continuity on the perimeter of the defense. Part of me wanted to go Dylan McCullough, but running back's a position that I don't. I I, I just I wonder if man, do you really? You know, g- give me a good coach there, and, and and you'll be okay. Someone who work hard. You don't necessarily need someone as great as Dylan, and he's left a great. He'll leave a great situation. But the other two is just selfishly. I just I, I feel bad for that one if I were to say Dylan because I know he wants to be head coach. Right. And sure. I kind of feel like if the next five years go by and he's not a head coach, then they he's missed have. his window yeah, exactly. to be a head coach because he'll be in his 50s by then. Sure. So I just refuse to to force him to <laughs> lock into that type of thing. So I, I think Coach Stuckey's still pretty young. And and if I could guarantee the, the level of coaching or de- recruiting and then I, what I think he's going to do development-wise in the next five years, I would Notre Dame's going to have a very talented perimeter situation, no doubt about it. Let me throw a curveball at you, Brian. And I, I I say this hesitantly because I he's a new he's new to the staff, and so I'm not exactly sure. But if the development is what I think it could be, and the recruiting matches it, because I I don't know, I might say Gino Gadouli. Oh, I thought you were going to go Joe Rudolph. Okay, interesting. No, because well, we and go ahead, Vince. I was going to say because we've said in the past that Notre Dame's been a quarterback away and a development developed quarterback away from being a national championship level offense. Right. If I can guarantee if, if, if Gino Gadouli is the quarterback coach that I think he could be, and I could guarantee that he's going to keep bringing in top level quarterbacks and developing them from the time they step on the, on, on campus, then I'm guaranteeing you that we're going to have a high level quarterback, which makes everybody else around him better. So yeah. I might go that I route. see that. I also think he's someone that if Jared Parker does a great job and if Jared Parker gets taken by somebody, then Gino Gadouli can also slide right into the coordinator position because sure. he's done it before. That's a good call. And so that's another thing is that that would continue – keep the continuity right. where you want it to be. Yeah. To be. Yep. Two Alpha says, hey, just picked up a dark Heather Gap Closers T-shirt. Thanks, IB. You are welcome. This is one of my favorite ones because he's got the uh, – Shooting target as his avatar. Oh, yeah. I like very much. I've seen this one before. Two alphas. That looks familiar. Yeah. All right. Let's get back to some more questions here, Vince. We got Skylar Indy. Brian or Ryan or Vince. I was watching highlights from the Bush Push game. Bush had an all right NFL career. Do you think it would be better for him to be drafted in today's NFL? I mean, wasn't he kind of in today's NFL to a degree? I mean, I, I think Reggie would fit very well in today's NFL. He got yeah, drafted I, I by mean, the I, Saints, and 
I think I think he would be better off now than he will even it was kind of transitioning when he came into the NFL to what it is today. Yeah. But there was still a heavy dose of bell cow running backs when he came in last year was 16 but by that point in time he was 30 31 so right his prime years 06 to 2012 13 yeah i mean yeah if he if he could come into the league now in his prime i mean he's jameer gibbs you know top 13 pick and right yeah i i i I see where you're going skylar i would say yes we've talked like we talked about that with like rocket like if rocket could play in today's era that kind of thing but yeah yeah, I think Reggie would benefit from that. Certainly. Me too. Me too. Certainly. All right. ND Estimate Trucking LLC. If you were able to use Notre Dame rosters from 13 to 23 to build a Notre Dame offense to best beat Georgia in a championship game, what would your ideal roster by position be, by position by position? So if you could use any wow. position from 13 to 23, if I could take any position group. So uh, quarterback, I, I think- I'm taking the one they have now. Okay. Running back. Um okay, hold on. Let me let me do running back last. Offensive line's an easy <laughs> one. I'm taking the 17 offensive line. Sure. And actually, you know what? I'd probably take the 15 offensive line, actually. Because that was a more dual threat offensive line. They can run okay. block and pass block. The best run blocking unit was the 17 line by a mile, but the 15 line was pretty good at both. And so I'm gonna yeah. take the 15 offensive line. Tight end, I'm gonna go with the 2019 tight end room. Cole Komet, you had Tommy Trumbull was a sophomore, you had George Takis, and then, of course, you had Brock Wright in that tight end room as well. Uh, you could be – you'd be perfectly fine also taking any of the rooms with Michael Mayer. With Michael Mayer in it, right? Yeah, right. Uh, but for me, the reason I'm not going with that is because I want a tight end that's good, but I don't want my tight end to be my number one guy. He doesn't Receiver, have to be your number one guy to huh? who the quarterback is. Well, he would be. I mean, yeah. if you got Michael May out there, he's hard not to throw to. <laughs> Fair enough. At wide receiver, see, this is a tough one because my my initial gut answer is 15. But I really liked that 18 receiving core, especially if they had a coach that was doing a better job of developing the younger players. Because remember, we know about – we remember Miles Boykin and Chase Claypool and Chris Fink, but that team also had Kevin Austin and Braden Lindsey and Lawrence Keyes and Michael Young, some guys they just didn't play enough and didn't develop. And so 15, I'd probably go 15 because I'd have my Will Fuller. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'd have Will Fuller, Chris Brown, and I'd have Amir Carlisle, and I'd have, you know, I'd have my freshman that year where Equinemi St. Brown and 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 those guys were were my freshmen that year. So I I think you had Chase Claypool was was uh came the next year. So you had Equinemius in 15, you had CJ Sanders in 15. So that was a pretty good – I'm going to go 15 for receiving core efforts okay. and back and forth. So 23 quarterback, 15 offensive line, 15 wide receiver. I'm going to go 19 tight end room. And then so the last one is is quarterback or running back. No, right? Running back, yeah. That is a, that's a tougher one because part of me wants to take – if I had to, if I had to take one from that era and I've got this current coaching staff – I'm honestly probably going with last year's running back room. I was just going to say, anyway, and a healthy Jadarian Price would be nice. Well, even room. if even without him, if sure. if I I feel like this coaching staff would better utilize Chris Tyree. Okay, that's you know a good saying? point. And they yeah, would use right. like Notre and Dame running back turn Logan Diggs into a downhill power runner. That's not Logan Diggs. Be- Logan Diggs right. is a guy that also needs to get on the perimeter, run some outside zone, be quick, be elusive. He has some of that wiggle to him a little bit. I, I didn't feel that they always used the running backs correctly last year, but I, I part of that is necessity because of who they had to be. So I understand. I'm not criticizing them for it. I think it was a necessity. But if you could take this running back room with that other group, Sam Harbin, a quarterback, the 15 offensive line, the 15 receivers, uh, that's where I would be. And also to beat Georgia, I, I need to be able to pound you up the middle to open up, to, to try to condense your alignment so mm-hmm. then I can then get the ball on the perimeter. But if I could get if I could have Logan Diggs and Audric Estime hammering teams with and then Chris Tyree speed in in some twenty one looks yeah. with Will Fuller and Cole <laughs> Komet with Sam Hartman throwing to him, that's a pretty darn good football team right there. Yeah, fun. fun these are I mean they're so unrealistic, but they're fun. I really they're fun questions. I enjoy, <laughs> I enjoy answering these. But what it goes to show to me is Notre Dame has had a championship caliber unit everywhere. Sure, at some point in time in the last decade. They just haven't been able to put it all together. 
Right. And that's the, you know, that's the frustration for me. Like the defensive line and the front seven in 2018 was good enough to win a title, in my opinion. The cornerback room last year, the cornerback room in 18, the defense as a whole in 2018 was championship worthy. It's the offense wasn't, you know, and, but you put the 15 receivers or you put, you know, if, if Deshaun Kaiser could got his head screwed on straight right, and been on that 18 team, or if, you know, if you could take Sam Hartman and put him on that 18 team, I mean, they've always had the units. They just have never been able to put it all together at the same time. And that's why I've never ex- accepted the whole, they can't recruit well enough. Well, yeah, they can. They just got to be able to do it at the same time and not be right. strong here and not strong there. And that's been the maddening thing with Notre Dame and over the years and, and still now is you go out and get a dynamic recruiter at positions you haven't had one in a while, like receiver and corner, and then you start slacking at you know other positions that you should be better at, and it's just like man, this is a frustrating. Right. It's very frustrating. Can't they put it all together? Exactly, exactly, exactly. <sighs> Coach Bent, if Notre Dame goes undefeated, Hartman would almost definitely be a Heisman candidate, but who would be the second choice? So the second choice from Notre Dame. Is that is that what we're talking about? Or the second choice overall. I mean, I I, I think I'm going to go with Notre Dame, Vince, because okay. I mean, number two overall, I'm going with the returner. Right? Yeah, right. Or, well, let's answer both. It's Caleb Williams. If I have sure. to, you know, take another one. Uh, second choice for Notre Dame. I mean, it would it, to me it would probably be Audric Estime. Yeah, that was going to be mine. You know, if no if Notre Dame goes undefeated, th- there's a chance that Audric Estime has like a 1500 yard, 20 touchdown season. You know, that's a part of it that could could put him up in that conversation. That. I don't see any of the receivers putting up the numbers to like, I mean, Devontae Smith won the Heisman trophy as a receiver because he put up insane numbers. I mean, when, when before him, when was the last time a receiver had won the Heisman trophy? I'm trying to remember. Oh, it, had been, it had been a minute, right? Uh, oh so yeah. Devontae Smith at receiver, the prior to that, the last time a receiver had won, it was, I'm in the, I'm in the two thousands now, still nobody. Um, I'm in the 90s now. Tim Brown. Desmond Howard in 91. Oh, okay. So you have to go back to 1991, although I would argue that Peter Warwick, I'm shocked that Peter Warwick didn't win it, but he would have been the Ron Dane year. So I get that. But, yeah, Desmond Howard. I mean, receivers don't win it. Right. Well, what did it take for Desmond for, for Devontae Smith to win it? Well, number one, you had a year where two of the major Power Five conferences played a half a season. None of those guys were going to be legitimate Heisman contenders. Yeah, good call. I forgot he won. Not real Heisman contenders. So that limited the field a little bit. And that year he had 95 catches that year. Well, actually, no, that's actually what he did in the NFL. I think he was at 98. Devontae Smith, college stats. Let me look this up. I was looking at his NFL stats. I was like, that those numbers are low on, on yards. He had 117 catches. For 1,856 yards and 23 touchdowns. That's it took an insane numbers. year. Yeah. There's nobody at Notre Dame that's going to come close no. to that kind of production. No way. No, no. no way. So they'll and, and an offensive lineman's never going to win. If Orlando Pace can't win the Heisman trophy, then you know, then no, no offensive lineman's ever gonna have win they even there. had. I mean, have they legitimately had defensive guys as finalists recently? Uh, well, Manti. Yeah, well, uh, Aiden Hutchinson a couple years ago was okay, number two. Yeah, 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 right? yeah, that's right. So, but that was also, what was that? Was that twenty one? That was a twenty one year, right? When Hutchinson was was that guy? Yes, that was after but, the twenty one season. Yeah, like Orlando Pace finished fourth in Heisman Trophy voting. I mean, he was the best player in college football that year, ninety six. He just flat out was. Uh, but you know, you had Jewel, you had so so you had Manti in twenty twelve. You had Aiden Hutchinson in in, in two thousand in, in two thousand and twenty one. So you've had a couple events, but it's not often. And and I don't know that Notre Dame would have you have a would... special season to do yeah. that. Because I'm I'm looking at it here. So that let's so Hutchinson was number two in 21. And you also had Jordan Davis finish ninth. In 20, there were no defensive players. Chase Young fourth in 2019. He was fourth with 16 and a half sacks. Yeah. But that also was the year that Joe, Joe Burrow won it. So he could have had 30 sacks and he's not getting it. Uh, in 2018, Quinn and Williams was eighth. Uh, Roquan Smith in 17 was 10th. Uh, let's see. Jewel, Jabril Peppers was fifth, but he was also a played offense and return kicks. Jonathan right. Allen for Bama was seventh. 15, you had a defensive player nowhere to be found. 2014, Scooby Wright finished ninth with 15 sacks. Who's from Arizona? Year prior to that, no defensive players. Like 20 to 14, 13 is a perfect example. You had 
six, seven quarterbacks and three running backs. I mean, that's basically what the awards turned down to. Manti was second. Jadamian Clowney was sixth that year. And Jarvis Jones from Georgia was 10th. So they had three defensive players that year. 2011, Tyron Matthew was fifth. 2010, no defensive players, nothing but quarterbacks and running backs, one receiver. Here's an example. Justin Blackman that year had 111 catches for 1,782 yards and 20 touchdowns, and he finished fifth in Heisman voting. Wow. Those are silly numbers. Yeah. Uh, 2009, uh, and Sue was fourth. I mean, okay. and Sue was phenomenal. Right. He, he dominated. 30, yeah. He had 12 sacks. I, I, let me, I forget what his tackle for loss number. He had 20 and a half tackles for loss and 12 sacks as a defensive tackle. That's nuts. Right. And you know who, did you notice who was missing from those years, Vince? No Aaron Donald. True. Right. I mean, and, and Aaron Donald had insane numbers because, again, it comes down to, you know, you've got to be at a big school or something like, you know what I mean? Like, or, or have some kind of name. Aaron Donald in 2013 as a defensive tackle had 28 and a half tackles for loss and 11 sacks, got zero, zero Heisman votes. Like, so no one from Notre Dame is going to do anything close no. to that. Right. So, and the only reason, let's be real. The only reason Manti got, was there in 2012 is because Notre Dame had nobody on offense that was remotely close to being correct. Active. They had to have somebody from Notre Dame as a high because they were undefeated, right? Yeah, right. And he was the face of that team, right? Tyler Eifert didn't put up the numbers to be there. None of the right. running backs did. The quarterback didn't. I mean, it, it was it, none. It, it was going to. He had to pick somebody, and Manti sure. had some some great some great moments. And if Notre Dame goes undefeated, it's going to be because Sam Hartman has a crazy year. Right. And Audrick's the only other one that I could think yeah. of. Yeah. You know, if he has 1,500 yards and rushing and 300 yards receiving and 20 touchdowns and Notre Dame's undefeated and he's their be- clearly the best player, he'll have a shot. But it's still probably going to Sam Hartman because it's, it's still story. going to be a long yeah. shot. Yeah. ND football nerd CJ Procise had an elite burst speed, in my opinion, for a 220 pound player. Jay Love has been compared to ProSize skill-wise, but how does his strength potential compare? Very well. I mean, he was a 220-pound guy by the time he was a senior. CJ was a little thicker than Jeremiah coming out, but not by a lot. And and I don't know that I would say that CJ ProSize necessarily played strong. Like, I don't remember him running dudes over all the time. He he had yeah. a strong lower body, but I don't know if that I'd say he played strong, if that makes sense. But I, I think that's a very fair – I mean, I think that's the best comparison I can think of, length and speed and all that. I think Jeremiah's got a very, very similar strength profile when it comes to how he plays the running back position. That's That's how I view it. So, thoughts, Vince, or are you ready to go to the next one? Yeah, I think I'm ready. I, the only thing I was going to say is I'm thinking about CJ Procise in my head and strength, like running with strength is not what jumps out at me when I remember him running the football. Right. I, and I'm not saying that he wasn't. I'm just saying that that's not the memory that I have when I think of CJ Procise. So, yeah, but that's all. Domer Grizz, happy Friday. What is the best part of your jobs other than the Friday mailbags? And what is the hardest part? What is the best part of my job other than the mailbags? Well, the best part is I just I get to talk football all the time. I mean, my job is literally I get paid to break down film and look at stats and all that kind of stuff. The hardest part is just having enough time in the day to get everything I need to get done. Because my job is is not just putting out content. It's running a business. And it's spending all day returning emails and and reaching out to people that have questions or problems and then all in doing proofing everybody's articles as best I can. And even then I'm sometimes like, I don't have time to proof it just public, you know what I mean? Which sucks, but that's just the reality of where we are, you know? And, and um, just run, running the business part is, is the hardest part. It's not bad. I, I love doing it. I would, I would want to do nothing else as far as this, this, this job, but it's definitely the hardest part. It's just not having enough time in the day. I mean, Vince, you know what time I go to bed every night. And it's not because I'm just hanging out watching movies, you know. So <laughs> that's the hardest part. And, and like, there's yeah. just things I can't do content wise that I would love to do that I just can't because I can't not put out the content that we're putting out from a volume standpoint. I got the business stuff and all that. So uh, I'm hoping over the next year I can, there's a, a hire that I'd really like to make over the next year that if we can make that. Uh, would be really big. Not sure if it's going to happen or not, but um, you know, we, we'll, we'll do some things here. 
we're getting close enough financially to the point where I can start hiring some other things, other people to do other things, which will free me up. But um, yeah, that's the harder part. But that that'll you know, it's basically I want somebody. I want to hire some people that can handle the volume standpoint of of the content on the on the website, and then I can focus on this platform, and then also doing some of the yeah. more detailed film breakdown stuff. Because like that's a, if I'm going to do like a film breakdown, it's like the Sam Hartman thing I did. It took like several days to go through all the film of his games to make sure that number one, I found the clips to use, but number two, that my uh, opinion of him wasn't just take four or five clips that back up a preconceived point. It's the point needs to come from the 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 deep dive into the film, and that takes hours upon hours upon hours if you're going to do it right and have any credibility in doing it. Yeah, and so it's hard to do that when I've got all the other things that I have to do on a daily basis. You know, cutting up. So, like, when we're done with this four-hour podcast, I then got to cut it up, edit it, you know, upload it, put the ad breaks in, and, and that's another hour. So, I mean, it ends up in, in, at least of of preparation. And then, so it just it just not having enough time in the day is really the hardest part of of doing it all. So, hopefully, that'll change someday. But for now, it is what it is. It's where we're at. <laughs> Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.